0: Today we're talking about righteous relationships. We're in a summer series about real relationships. Today we're talking about righteous relationships. And we're going to use two examples of some couples. One couple is married. The other couple is their brother and sister. And they attend church. We're talking about relationships within the church today. And how can we have real relationships in the church? Now... Obviously, a lot of what I'm going to speak of can go outside the church as well. But I really want you to kind of framework this with how should a church look? How should a church feel? How should a church respond in the light of Christ? Who should we be? Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, this morning I ask that you make your word clear. That we are encouraged. That your spirit helps us wrestle with those areas that, that we need to learn or that we have been encouraged in. Help us to walk away today, Father, being edified, encouraged, engaged with, equipped, and having exalted You. Let us take this message to the world, take the Gospel to the world, so that those who need to know You may taste of glorious, glorious redemption. Amen. I have a statement for you to have us jump off on first of all real relationships we've put this into a grid for you now i say it every week that we we speak doesn't necessarily mean that these are the only things that go into real relationship i'm simply saying these are the four i could come up with okay number one rewarding that makes relationship real are your relationships rewarding or are they draining right number two engaging Real relationships are engaging relationships. It doesn't mean you have to spend all your time with that individual or that person, but do you want to spend time with those people? Or are we struggling to just simply vote, everybody needs to be an introvert just like me? Next, authentic. Real relationships are authentic. Do we have the safety and the love and the honesty within our relationships That we can share in love our deepest fears, our deepest challenges, our deepest convictions. That makes a relationship real. Lastly, loving. This is the trump card, is it not? Christ used it as a trump card. Paul uses it as a trump card. Are your relationships loving? This morning, I want you to hear this statement. Righteousness determines direction and dependence in relationships. Think about that statement. Righteousness determines the direction and dependence in relationship. Let me give you a little statement here. First of all, righteousness is not that. All right? Righteousness is not that. Righteousness isn't even that. All right? Really? Come on, you 80s people. You don't know who that is? You got to help me out a little bit. This is the definition or a great definition of righteousness. Let's look at it. <clears throat> and I would tell you the Greek word, but since you're not going to use it, what's the point? This is the, the uh, definition coming from the Greek. Morally upright, without guilt or sin. In accordance with virtue or morality. Morally justifiable, Christ-likeness. And then we have this note that says, Righteousness, as used in Scripture and theology, in which it uh, chiefly occurs, is nearly equivalent to holiness. Comprehending holy principles and affections of heart and conformity of life to the divine law. Now even Webster said that. And Webster took that from the understanding of what that Greek word is used for righteous or righteousness. This morning as we move forward, what we're going to do is we're going to be in Colossians 3. And we're going to take these four people and we're going to run them through the grid that we see in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Before we do, I'm going to give you a little statement from a song. And it says this, Two different men living not two different lives, finding two different ways to die. You see, the one lived for the changes in life, and the other lives to change lives. This is the challenge that we face today, that how do we have these kind of deep relationships within church? And often the church is criticized for being filled with what? Now, I was expecting happy, joyful people. And you guys went right to hypocrites. Why do we go to hypocrites? Because that's the accusation against the church, right? How many of us, let's just get this over with. We're now turning into some kind of AA group right now. You ready? Hello, my name is Jeremy and I'm a hypocrite. Anybody else out there a hypocrite? You who are not raising your hands. You're going to the second meeting. Yes, of course the church is filled with hypocrites. But heaven won't be. Amen? We are in church because we need Jesus Christ. We are in church because we're drawn to worship Him. We are in church because the way that Christ describes the church is the bride of Christ. And we are meant to be together. We are drawn together because of one thing. What or who is it? You can even get Southern gospel on me if you want. Who is it? Jesus, Ja-hesus. Christ. Yes, thank you. It is He who binds us together. So why do we get so divided in the church? And what is it that's so important? That we'll fight over. Because that means it's much more important than the groom. It's much more important than the groom. Well, let's look at it. I'm going to give us four people here. Number one, Reuben and Sue. Alright, they're a young couple. They've just gotten married. They had to move. uh, And and they came into town. They're looking for a new church. And they just found, uh, maybe they found our church. So Reuben and Sue are here, and uh, they, uh, they believe in Jesus Christ. By the way, how many of you have been focused on this? Speaking to you, isn't it? Isn't it? This is my cheap pandering to the youth of today. Keep them focused. Like what, what is wrong with him? Let's get into the Scripture before I completely lose it. So Reuben and Sue are new to our church, and they go out to lunch they're invited to lunch by a brother and sister that are college age they've been going they were raised here, and uh, their names are uh, Arvid and Allegra. You see what I'm doing there? There's no way anybody ever attending this church in its 49 years of history was named Arvid or Allegra. So rest assured, I'm not picking on any real people. You got it? So Arvid and Allegra take Reuben and Sue out to lunch and, and really kind of reach out and they're extending their hand of grace. And, and the sermon that day was on Colossians three, twelve through 17. So let's look at this, shall we? So it starts out with this idea of put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on then, so that's this idea of I was missing something. And what Paul is saying here is, and even if you go prior in the scriptures, Paul is saying what we need to get rid of as as those who have the idea that Christ is our groom, that we are part of the church. We need to get rid of, put off these things. And he says, well, it's not enough just to put off those things. You also need to what? Put on. You need to put on these things. And then he describes the church as who? As God's chosen ones. Now, did you do... Anybody here do mail-order bride? Right? Even with mail-order bride... Some of you looked at each other. I, maybe, maybe I need to know something. Um, even with mail-order bride, you're choosing. I mean, that sounds bad, but you, you're even with that bad situation, you're choosing. Anybody... Pre-arranged marriage from age eight. Gentry, you can admit. No, I'm just, just kidding. Five dollars, I know. So no, we, we, you chose the person you married, and they chose you. Do you see the specific language here that God's using? That if you know Jesus Christ, you're, you're part of the bride, and that the groom chose you. You hear the language? See how this is working? And then what's next? Holy and beloved. This is real simple, folks. Righteous. You who are righteous. He is now describing those who have been chosen in God, who you have chosen Him and accepted that invitation. That you now have relationship with Him. You're now walking with Him. You've realized that you have sin in your life, that that Christ came as as a gift from the Father, and that through that Christ and that propitiation, that payment that atoning sacrifice on the cross, all empowered by the resurrection of the Son, being who He says He is, and in faith we respond to that gift of grace, we are now what? We are now the Bride of Christ. We're saved. We are holy and righteous. How many of you feel righteous? Raise your hand. We're doing a lot of raising hands today. We're going to go Pentecostal in here. All right. Nobody is righteous? Okay, if, if you're a believer... Let me just help you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are deemed righteous. Now, are you... Do you feel righteous? No. When I asked you that, you probably thought, no, Pastor, you should know what I did last night. Well, I don't... I don't want to know what you did. Um, right now, my screen isn't acting very righteous. I need to turn off that uh, screensaver. Um... There we go. So in, in looking at that, the challenge for you and I is not that we don't see ourselves as righteous. We're declared righteous by God. But there's a progressive righteousness that he imputes upon us. That he is working out in us. That he is developing through us, through his son. Are we always on top of it? No. Uh, are we trying to improve in it? Yes. Yes. Does he carry us through that? Absolutely. So we're going to see now what that looks like. So he says, put on then, which is an action. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what? Well, let's look at it. Kindness, meekness, patience. So Arvid and Allegra did a pretty good job here, right? Kindness. They took out some new people from church. But what you don't know is what happened afterwards is... Allegra turns to Arvid and says, so how many more lunches do you think before we can make that Amway presentation to them? Apparently there's some Amway people in here. <laughs> Folks, I don't make this up. Everything I'm saying, I made up the names, okay? I made up the names. But I don't make up what I'm saying right now. Whereas... Uh, Reuben and Sue went back and started planning on how they could reciprocate that love towards Arvid and Allegra. We really need to plan on how we can have them over ourselves and do that. Kindness, meekness, patience. How are we doing it that in our own church? How are we practicing that? Is that paramount? In our efforts. In our focus. Secondly, it says bearing with one another. You know, the church has a challenge. And the challenge with the church is that there's so many of them. Right? If you have ever gotten upset with me, Shame on you. No. If you have ever gotten upset with me, raise your hand. Oh, my kids, yes. Fantastic. $5 to me, we're even. There's a lot of hand raising going on today. I've always said it. If you're around here long enough, eventually I'm going to twist you somehow. Right? Not because I want to but because I am who I am. And sometimes, hopefully, it's because God's working through me, maybe, on an occasion. And you'll see that as we get deeper into this passage. But thank you. I truly want to say thank you to the ones who have stuck it out. Because you exemplify this principle that Paul says. I want to thank you for sticking it out when there's someone who has offended you. Folks, we've had people leave this church because they came one Sunday and somebody was sitting in their chair that they've sat in for 25 years. Is that bearing with one another? And you know why they leave the church? Because they can. Because there's what? There's Well, yes, there is free will. Great, that is very deep theologically. Tag, you're it. Okay. No, because there's 17 other churches within five miles of here that if I get offended, I can just go somewhere else. How many of us do that with our families? Oh, wow. I think that was, that was not in the notes. i didn't expect that kind of a reaction. But we do do that with our families, right? Avoidance issues, fight or flight. And what does Paul say? What does God say? What does Christ say? As the groom, does he want the bride to evacuate each other? Does he want the infighting? He says, bear with one another. Bearing with one another is not... Bear, you know, you get that here. The bear is like... Rrr, right? Okay? Use, the, use the, the symbiotic relationship there. God isn't going to commend you. Christ isn't going to commend you that you have stuck around when things are easy. Christ is going to commend you and He's going to say that you walked like I walked. Because you loved them more than you were irritated by them. Amen? 1 Peter 4.8 talks about the fact that love overlooks a multitude of sins. If we focus on loving each other, folks, We're going to let those little minor things float by. Let those minor things float by. And when it's major, come talk. Because you care. Because you love the person deeply enough that you care that you are going to have the conversation. And I guarantee you, most of the time, most of the time, my experience, I'm not just blowing smoke here, but most of the time, it's a misunderstanding, and Satan's had his fingers in there somehow, some way. And we get offended over things that we just didn't hear clearly, or we misunderstood, and we break relationship for no reason other than our feelings are hurt. That's what it means to bear with one another. And so we move on. And it says this. It's a, it's kind of this shift. And he says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Well, the next time that, uh, who are two people here? Reuben and Sue go out with Arvid and Allegra. uh, There's like this coldness between the two of them at the table. And it's really awkward. And they don't know what to do because they're at like some fundraiser for Boy Scouts. And everything's supposed to be fun and, and exciting. And I'm making this up as I'm going along, obviously, and... So there's this weird thing going on and they're not sure what to do about it. And so poor Reuben and Sue, they try to overcompensate. Have you ever been in that position? Oh, then I'm not making this one up. They try to overcompensate for the tension between Arvid and Allegra. It's difficult. But it can be done. How? And above all these, put on what? Put on love. And what's the promise? Because there's a promise that happens here for Arvid and Allegra and for Reuben and Sue. What's the promise? You're going to receive harmony. Not just harmony, perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. I'm waiting for the apocalypse to hit my wife's car. I'm okay. You're like, where's he going now? I did way too much study before I purchased this car for her for us to save money on gas. And uh, this car just will, there went their college tuition, you know, when a spark plug goes out on this car. And there's something that's notorious on this, that there is a harmonic stabilizer that keeps the timing belt in line. And there's a spring that's not engineered right. And eventually that spring gives out and you get a wobble. And I'm just waiting for the wobble. Because when that wobble hits, so sort about a $3,000 bill. Okay? Yeah, that's bad wobble. Right? Folks, we get bad wobbles in our Christian walk and in our churches, don't we? Wow, for that not being in the notes, that really worked well. We get bad wobbles. And so when you hear it, immediately do something about it. By loving, by practicing love. And so what happens between Reuben and Sue and Arvid and Allegra? Well, Reuben gives Arvid a call and says, Hey man, you know, I'm heading down to the gym, i going to play some racquetball, you want to play? Well, sure, I've never played. Reuben says, good, I'll beat you silly then. No, he didn't say that. And, uh, and so they go down and they start talking. As awkward as it was, and a million excuses why not to have that conversation, right? I'm the new guy. Who, who am I to butt in, right? Uh, they'll work it out. Eventually, it'll all come together. But there's this Holy Spirit thing that's going on in, in Reuben's mind, and he says, no, you know, I really need to do something. And so he reaches out. And he starts to have a one-on-one conversation with this guy. You know, hey, I noticed a little tension there. I, I don't want to overstep, but is there anything I can help you with? Or... You know, do you need someone to talk with? or And if you don't want to share, that's fine. I just wanted you to know I care. Right? I care. Next. So here comes the church stuff. This is fantastic. This is the idea of practicing unity. Number one, let the Word of God or Word of Christ dwell in you richly. That if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, it will drive us. It will inform us. It'll set that precedent of what do you do when you hit the wobble? I go to the mechanic when I hear the wobble on the car, right? I don't go to a plumber. I don't go to a road scholar. People I mean, no offense, Scott. Oh, there's no more Scott. I can't go to the plumber. He's not even in the building. We go to that authority that is going to help us. So he says, within God's people, within the church, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, not just mildly, but richly. Have you ever uh, had your kids do like like a dinner for you, or you know your 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 boyfriend or your girlfriend or somebody did a dinner for you you've never had it and and it's saturated with spices, not just mildly but richly. My wonderful daughter made me dinner last night. And that was awesome. Loved it. It was fantastic. And was richly put together um, with some spices. Think about that, that. The Word of Christ needs to dwell in us richly. Second of all, He says we need to be teaching um, and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. So what's that mean? Well, for those of you who have your t-shirt or your bumper sticker that says, I don't judge, can I encourage you to get rid of that? Because first of all, you're lying. Second of all, you're worrying about being judged by other people, so you have to make a statement saying, I don't judge. You're a conundrum. Right? And I've just judged you for being a conundrum. So... The, the problem and the challenge with this is that by Scripture, we are to admonish one another. This means to warn one another. Why? You know what? I get up to to, uh, to start playing softball eight years ago with the church softball team. Mike Redlick warned me, you already have one strike against you. That has helped me only strike out in softball five to eight times since then. Had I not had that information... The sky's the limit. Right? But Mike could have said, it's the new pastor. I don't want him to think that that I, I don't think he knows anything about softball and maybe he would like think that I'm judging him that he just doesn't get it or whatever. No, he told me, hey man, you're walking up with one strike already so just be prepared. That's the perfect sound of an admonishment. That's what we're to do in the church. That's what we're to do. It also says that we're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, there's something fantastic about building unity when we're all singing together. And so there's something that's not so fantastic when we say, I don't know this song. Here's, here's a great mystery to me in all this. I don't know the song, but I'm so tired of the song being just three words that repeat themselves over and over and over. Hey, I really don't undersell you all that much that if the song is three words that just does nothing but repeat itself over and over, you're pretty much going to be able to figure that song out. You know? At least by the second time through. Right? Or is it that we just don't want to sing? Can I just encourage you... Now I'm, I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm going to move quickly here, okay? So it doesn't sting too badly. Stop using excuses. Just stop. Either we're unified or we're not unified. There's someone sitting in this room right now that we had a hymn sing a while ago and I invited him to the hymn sing. This was like four or five years ago. And this person said to me, I just want to know that there's equity. If I'm going to come sing those songs with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I would love for them to sing the other songs with me. And that's the message of unity. That's the message of unity. And the same thing applies in reverse. That when we do a song that's, you know, from 300 years ago or 100 years ago or like three weeks ago and you're saying, that's old. Could you please just, because Steve's worked real hard and the band's working real hard, that we all just come together in unity so that there's something incredible and unique and special and righteous that happens. Thankfulness in our hearts directed to God, he says. This is a mindset. You know, it it, it helps us to pursue righteousness when we have a thankful heart and a thankful mind. Doesn't it? That if I'm not thankful and I'm not directing that thankfulness towards God, right? He says giving thanks to the person that gives me my paycheck. No, he doesn't. He says saying thanks to my children that made me dinner. No, he doesn't say that, although I should do that. Uh, It says, thankfulness to all the people that were here when we started service. Thank you so much. Yes, we can say that, but really the issue is if I want to pursue that righteousness and grow in that righteousness, it's setting my mind towards God and being thankful to Him so that I start seeing how God is working over and over and over. Amen? Amen. And that draws me into unity, doesn't it? That draws me into a deeper understanding of righteousness. Lastly, you may be saying, well, how do we do this? Well, remember I told you that righteousness determines the direction and dependence in relationship? This last verse is the key. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That if the key to Reuben and Sue continuing in their walk and really having an enthralling relationship with the groom is righteousness. If God says, I see you as righteous, so therefore put on, right? But poor Arvid and poor uh, Allegra, that they say they're Christians, they say they're believers, but the evidences that we just read through, patience, kindness, peace, putting on love above all things, teaching one another, admonishing one another, singing psalms together, that there's no passion there whatsoever. There's nothing in here. Then Those kind of believers are the ones that have oh yes, we're here now, finally. A Mountain Dew just sitting here and say, look, I've got a Mountain Dew. Isn't that great? It's kind of horrible now. It's kind of warm under these lights. Isn't that great? I have a Mountain Dew. Here's the problem is what's the value of this thing? It's when you drink it. Nothing. Mr. Morgan, could you please bring me some righteousness? So here's the key. You see up in front of you that it says, what? Giving thanks to God the Father. Thank you, sir. It says, what? What's the key? To having that righteous life within church and there being unity within the church and having real relationship with God and with my neighbor. It's righteousness. It's that which sets us apart. How do I grow in righteousness? Let me tell you, next time you're a little irritated with somebody, start saying it in the name of Jesus. What? That's like one of those shaggy statements. Zoink, scoop. You know, what did you just say? Yeah, next time you're irritated you with the pastor, just say, in the name of Jesus, you're an idiot. And see if that actually makes it past your lips. Some of you who are new are looking at me like, I'm not, where is the Mormon church right now? I don't, this is so bad and so whack. Next time you're angry at someone within your family, say, in the name of Jesus, and just start spewing all the venom. See if you can do it. Next time you're so angry about a decision that's made here to do this ministry or that ministry and it affects you, then just say, in the name of Jesus, I'm so angry, I could, I'm could I'm i moving churches, I'm, I'm out of here. I can almost guarantee you can't do it. But what can you do in the name of Jesus? You can litter. You can taste the righteousness. This one's for the younger people because that's horrible. Oh, how do you guys drink this stuff? No, oh, no, I'm not putting it on the altar. No. Do you understand the point that I can be like Arvid and Allegra and I can say I have Christ and I'm part of the body, but I'm never getting the righteousness because I'm not naming the name of Jesus. Whereas the other two are naming the name of Jesus, Reuben and Sue, with everything they're doing. And what does that do that grows their righteousness? It grows their righteousness. And by doing that, all those petty things start falling away, and all these things that Paul lists here, we are actually doing with a sincere and righteous heart. You got it? All right. I'm going to dismiss you in prayer, and I didn't pull it off, but that was a 20 or 25 minute sermon. That that's not half bad. So, can I get an amen? All right. All right. Jesus, help me. Let me pray for you. And again, if you have children, run, grab them. We do have our offering in the back. If you filled out a card, you can drop that in the box on the right. If you have brought your gifts today as, a, as an act of worship to the Lord, they go in the box on the left. And uh, I'll pray over the offering as well as I dismiss you. And remember, sh- Let me pray. Father, we ask that you guide our time after this service, that we contemplate the important the importance of righteousness, and that the key to all of this is naming the name of Jesus as we move through our decisions, our circumstances, our problems, our joys, that we name the name of Jesus. And as we do that, God, you have given us the confidence. That we will grow in our righteousness. And it won't be just enough to have the title of the church as a title. But we will open up what the name of Jesus opens up. And will partake in the sweet aroma of what it means to be the bride of Christ. Thank you God. I pray over our offering this morning. And for those that have come and, and, have, and have brought that, that you bless that, you multiply it out, you use it for your glory. Bless our time, Father. Let us be truly righteous in our efforts and in our, our name so that we have the right relationships and real relationships within church. Thank you, God. To you be the glory. Amen.